the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He's hooking. He's hooking. Damn, Rod, come on! What's the matter with you? Tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Welcome to the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands. And I'm filling in Fred Hoffman this week. Ed is on vacation. He'll be back next week. I do need to make my normal disclaimer, and that is I am not a professional radio talk show host. No, I'm just a regular person just like you. But I'm very politically incorrect, and I have a big fat mouth, and I'm not afraid to use it, which, of course, makes me the perfect fill-in host for Ed. But before we get down to business, or as we say in Rialto, Bitness, I do need to highlight the main sponsor of the show, the founder of the feast, if you will. And that, of course, is Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender. They're based in Southern California with offices all over the area. If you're interested in getting involved with any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call them at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with Ed and you don't want to talk on the phone, you can find him at WCCLoans.com, where they have all kinds of mortgage information for you. If you want to apply for a loan right away, go to the Loan Center tab and click on the Apply Now button. And if you'd like to email Ed, first click on the contact page, fill out the form, and it goes directly to Ed and his team. If there's any part of this show that you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, and listen to it on demand anytime. You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, and be sure to connect with the show on social media. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where he tweets about current events all week long, and you can like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. If you want to leave some comments on the show, if you think we're just absolutely brilliant, you can call on the listener hotline, and that number is 855-640-2092. Once again, 855-640-2092. With me in studio today is my co-host, Jody Swan, a.k.a. That Conservative Girl. Jody, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So a lot going on. One thing I want to tell you, I want to tell you a little story before we start. Um, one of my employees was at a bar. I know this sounds like a joke, but it's not. <laughs> one of my employees was at a bar in Redlands the other night, and he's had his Don's bikes, uh, like sweatshirt on, uh-huh. right? And some guy comes up to him and he goes, "Hey, are you the guy on the radio?" <gasps> really? Yeah. Kinda oh my like, gosh. Kind of like hostile, like. <laughs> and my employee's like, "No, man, that's that's my boss." He's, "I'm not even political at all." So he goes, As a "Matter of fact, I don't even vote." Oh no. And the guy's like, "Oh well, he shouldn't like mix, you know, politics with his business." 
which I don't do, by the way, which I don't do because <laughs> I like I don't preach to people in my business. Yeah. Um, if they want to talk about those sorts of things, that's fine. I have employees that are all, that are politically left leaning. I, I don't really care, uh-huh. you know, as long as they do their job. Right. But it was sort of kind of funny. Um, and he said, yeah, he goes, actually, the guy says, well, I'm a libertarian. I'm kind of down the middle. And, you know, my employees like, well, whatever. I don't really know what that is, <laughs> you know. And I told them, I said, well, libertarian, they probably agree with me on most things, not necessarily on everything, but probably on most things. Yeah. So we probably have more in common than not. But anyways, if that guy's listening, I'll have a conversation with you anytime. <laughs> uh, that's just fine. Uh, a lot going on, obviously, this week. Uh, we're in the middle of a government shutdown. And, and I'm like, am I the only one that, like, wants, you know, a government shutdown? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, this has been going on for like seven days. I think we're in the seventh day of the shutdown. And it's over the wall. It's over the big wall. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, I know you've got a little outline on the wall. Yep. We're right in the middle of it. It's day seven. Um, They're fighting over $5 billion in funding for the wall. That's all the president wants is $5 billion. And it might sound like a lot of money to some people, but uh, (laughs) it's really not. Uh, In fact, the Democrats weren't always so opposed to border security. Uh, President Trump dug up a few old video clips of prominent Democrats who not so long ago saw the merit in protecting our poorest southern border with Mexico. The Democrats are absolute hypocrites. All along, they've been supporting walls and supporting fences and supporting all sorts of border security. Illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. I voted uh, uh, numerous times when I was a senator to spend money to build a... uh, a barrier to try to prevent um, illegal immigrants from coming in. Uh, We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. The fact is they've always supported fences and walls and partitions, but you know what? They only don't want to do it because of me. They have to put the people ahead of politics. We need to have the wall. We need border security. Whatever it takes to get border security, I will do it. I pledged that a long time ago, and I will pledge it always. We've done a really fantastic job with what we have. We can do an almost perfect job if we have the wall and proper border security. And that's what we're going to do for the American people. Thank you. And the funny thing is, like, the Democrats seem like they're in favor of like a fence, but not a wall. And honestly, I mean, I've seen mock-ups of this thing. I'm sure you have too. It looks actually to me more like a fence than a wall anyways. So, and and one of the comments that I saw today on the news was they called the wall immoral, expensive, and ineffective. (laughs) So why is it they're in favor of like a fence? I think they are, but not a wall. What's the difference? It's just that Trump's proposing it. I mean, if a Democrat was up there asking for this funding, they'd be all about it. You think it'd be a done deal? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of funny. I have a a Democrat friend. I like to check in with people on the left once in a while just to kind of see where their heads are at. And I asked her, I said, what do you think about like the the caravan? She said, well, you know, they should be allowed in. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah. And, and her logic was, well, anybody seeking a better life should have the opportunity to pursue that. Well, that's, that's hard to argue with. Of course, you know, seek a better life in your own country. Well, I guess, I guess. Um, And then I asked her, I said, do you, do you, what about a wall? Well, no, I don't want a wall. I was like, okay, well, how do you feel we, like we should have border security of some sort? And she yeah. said, yeah. And then said, yeah, we need to have something up there, not a wall. I said, well, what, what's your idea? Like what, <laughs> what is border security to you? And she goes, oh, I don't really know. I mean, she didn't, didn't have an answer to that. Yeah. And then I asked her, I said, well, so you think that the migrant caravan should come in? I said, what about like, I don't know, you know, if you say anybody who really wants to have a better life should be allowed in, that's kind of her, her argument. What about like, 
you know, I know India has like a billion people. And so what about like a half a billion people that maybe want a better life? Would you allow them in? She says, well, yeah, sure. I'm like, I don't think she has really an idea of like, where would we put all those people? Um, I have, I have a neighbor from India and actually he and I, he's got a home for some kids in India. There's like a dozen kids and I kind of help finance it. I actually want to go back there in 2019 and check the place out. Um, but I don't, I don't want those kids here. I mean, I'm not, you know what I mean? I want them to succeed in their own country. I don't want to like bring them in and make them a burden on American taxpayers. You know what I mean? Well, and that is the single best way to help people who need help is where they're already at. And then they can like those kids, they can grow up and they can be contributing members of that society and they can make a difference there. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And obviously you heard about the, this is funny too, because months ago I told Ed, you know, we should just crowdfund the wall. Forget the government. <laughs> Ed and I, I figured one week I could crowdfund that sucker. And then, uh, and now sure enough, somebody's actually doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. This guy, Brian Colfage, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. Colfage. Col- Colfage. Okay. I don't know if you're right on those pronunciations or if you just think you are. But see, this There's no way for you to know. No, there isn't because I'm a horrible speller and I do a lousy job with pronouncing as well. Um, but apparently this guy's already raised like $16 million yeah, a for a money. while. $16 million and climbing. And I didn't know if you knew this, but there's also a separate GoFundMe that's called it's called Ladders to Get Over Trump's Wall. Did you hear about that? I did. You did. Okay. And they're only up. They want to raise $100 million, but they're only up to one hundred thirty-two k. What a joke. Right. No, it is. It is. Where's all that money going to go, though? Like, who's stupid enough to, like, give that person money? Like, where? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Why would you do that? And how much are ladders anyways? I mean, they're not, you know, $100 million yeah, to buy how ladders. how many ladders is providing? You could go over to Lowe's, I think, and get them for probably, like, a, you know, the big ones. Probably get somebody to donate them. No, exactly. A ladder drive. Right. Speak, speaking of wasted money, I know you also came up with some. some was to talk about the whole cost of the wall. Is it $5 billion? Right. Is it 10 I don't know. But you also mentioned uh, some ways that we effectively, well, we don't have money for a wall, but we do have money to waste on other things. Right. So we're fighting over a measly $5 billion in wall funding. Um, and this coincided perfectly with the release of Senator Rand Paul's 2018 Festivus Waste Report, which helps to lend some serious perspective on just how many of your tax dollars lawmakers waste every single year. This year, the Waste Report found 100, uh, $114 million $514,631 in wasteful government spending. Well, that's just your opinion, but go ahead. What are we wasting money on, Jody? <laughs> we spent okay. $874,503 to study the sexual habits of quails on cocaine. <laughs> Super important. I didn't know quails were abusing cocaine. I'm concerned about this. <laughs> Apparently they are. All right. We also spent $75,691 <laughs> blowing leaf blowers at lizards. Okay. All right. Which seems like it should upset the environmentalists, but... I'm going to get home. As soon as I get home, I have a leaf blower. I've hardly ever used that. I'm going to look for some lizards to okay. go blow them. We spent $18 million to support Egyptian tourism. Oh. Like, why? I don't know. I don't know why we need hmm. to do that. We spent two million four hundred. Could have built the pyramids for that. But exactly. I'm sorry, go ahead. Two, $2,488,000. What? It's such a big number. I, I don't even know how to say this number. Two million four hundred eighty-eight thousand one hundred fifty-three dollars to study daydreaming. I'm sorry, were you saying something? <laughs> I just, I was. 
daydreaming. And right the there. kicker. Oh, the kicker, the best of all. We okay. spent $35,000 yep. encouraging people in the Republic of the Congo to use local resources. And I know some people are going to say, yeah, it's only $35,000. But honestly, like this is the Congo we're talking about. Do those people really need to be encouraged to use local resources? It is that way to the bathroom. Yeah. Like is what, that- what else are they going to use? It's not like <laughs> they have the money to travel to a Whole Foods and get some organic gluten-free quinoa. Right. Like, is that just so they're That's posting they people like that way to the bathroom, that way <laughs> to the whatever? All right, um, all right. So no five billion for border, well, at least not yet. And this is this is, it's an interesting thing because I don't know if you've ever heard. Have you heard the expression black pilling, black pilled? You've heard the expression red pilling, red pilled. Yeah. So and I'm learning all this new terminology now. But red pilled means you kind of woke up, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, black pilled means you're woke. But like you're so disillusioned that you have this negative outlook, like you've seen the reality and the truth. And, and, and a lot of these people like, well, you know, like like these Trump, Trump supporters typically, but they've they've come to grasp the reality that they're never going to get their wall. And I know they were all raised in hell like about a month ago, and I'm not going to support the president and I'm not going to vote for him in 2020. He lied about this. And what's he really done other than gives tax breaks to the rich? I'm actually paraphrasing things or uh, quoting things they actually told me. Uh-huh. And my, t- my thought at the time was, you know what? And this was months ago. This is probably going to come down to a government shutdown. Because the problem is there's a lot of Republicans that don't want a freaking wall. They just don't. You know, so there's no, there's not solid support for it because there's a lot of these globalist knuckleheads on the right that I think are getting in the way of a wall as well. But I said, you know, it's probably going to come down to a government shutdown. And sure enough, it is. Mm-hmm. So now they're all, including people like Ann Coulter, mm-hmm. you know, now they're all supportive of, of the president now that he's going to stand his ground, it looks like. So it's kind of like, how, how far do you see this shutdown thing going? Well, I don't really understand why everybody was so disenfranchised, or at least the people that were, because he's fulfilled all of his other promises. Right. I mean, it's like he's going to get to it. It's an uphill battle. Yes. Look at this fight they're putting up over $5 billion, when in the past they've given far more. They've given hundreds of billions of dollars to border security. I mean, they're fighting this guy tooth and nail. He's doing everything he can, you know? Right. It, it kind of seems that way. And again, it, it's it's a fight, as you mentioned. I mean, this is, this is going to go on. But I'm even thinking, like, we've had multiple, multiple government shutdowns in the history of this country. And nobody's 20, 22 or something. Yeah. And nothing really horrible ever happened. I mean, these no. people are getting paid anyways. It, it's, it's almost a like a paid vacation. If you think about shut it. Down. Nancy Pelosi is on vacation in Hawaii right now. She is. Okay. Everybody calm down. Okay. We'll get to Pelosi a little later. <laughs> um, regarding the, uh, the shutdown, you also had a little quote here from uh, somebody regarding the shutdown. Uh, Lynn Patton. Yeah, yeah, please. I love Lynn Patton. She's a cool chick. And okay. she is one of the essential government employees who's now been working for seven days without pay. Um, and she's happy to do it. And over the last week or so, she's had a couple of social media posts go viral because, I, you know, she just kind of had enough. And she said what needed to be said. Um, after the government officially shut down at midnight last Friday, she said... As one of a handful of essential government employees who is still required to physically go to work without pay every single day during a government shutdown, few people are more directly affected by this decision than I am. That means any holiday plans or trips I may have had to see loved ones are immediately terminated indefinitely. That said, I couldn't be more proud of this man. Obviously, she's referring to Trump. Mm -hmm. So anyone who works in the comfort of the private sector yet decries this shutdown in my social media feed needs to have a effing seat. As someone who is currently dealing with hundreds of thousands of taxpaying American citizens living in New York City public housing without heat or running water, I am glad that this president puts Americans first. 
The question is, why don't Democrats? They proudly defend migrant children, but what about New York public housing children? Don't American children have dreams too? Well, that's well said. I mean, it's a good point. Um, Your thoughts on that? Well, that, you know, what hypocrites are the Democrats? You know, it's like they position themselves as the party of the people, you know, poor people. Here's your handouts. Here's your handouts. But when it comes down to it, they're far more willing to help people who shouldn't even legally be here than the millions of Americans, like Lynn said, without heat or water. You know, shouldn't we be helping them first? Well, yeah, and, and having an influx of poor, uneducated people from third world countries certainly doesn't help our low low income people that are would no, actually it's be taking some of those jobs, people. construction jobs, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things. So it's definitely not good. She had a little uh, other little thing you said there at the end. Yeah, I think it was yesterday um, she posted about a, an 18 year old student, a, a young kid, uh, American citizen who was killed by an immigrant this kind of sad here's what well, she just, had we just say. had a cop shot as well yeah yeah right, it's been like illegal on a daily basis now uh lynn said dear liberals for those of you who try to argue that thousands of american citizens are killed by other american citizens every year not just by illegals please allow me to explain despite never finishing law school one of the first things they teach you in a class called torts is the phrase but for it was my favorite hypothetical for example but for this action that result would not have happened or the converse. Sadly, this hypothetical is the painful reality for countless angel moms who constantly ask themselves every single day, but for an illegal alien who never should have been in this country, would my son or daughter still be alive today? Of course, it's entirely possible that their child still could have been killed under a completely different circumstance. After all, any one of us can get hit by a bus tomorrow. But imagine if that bus failed its last inspection and was not even supposed to be on the road when it hit you or if the bus driver was operating under a suspended license. Does that make getting hit by the bus any worse? Hell yes, it does. On November 11, 2010, an illegal alien who never should have been in this country murdered an 18-year-old American student named Joshua Wilkerson. Joshua was beaten to a bloody pulp, tied up like an animal, driven out to an empty field where he was strangled, tortured, and then set on fire. When police tried to detain the illegal alien in question, he lunged for the firearm of the arresting officer and attempted to shoot him dead. In 2017, Wilkerson's distraught mother confronted Nancy Pelosi during a CNN-sponsored Sanctuary City Town Hall and asked her this simple question. If you had to go home tonight and line up your babies and grandbabies, which one of them could you look in their eyes today and tell them they're expendable so another illegal can have a nicer life? Today... I go to work in honor of Joshua Wilkerson. Yeah, and she ended her post with a hashtag, build the effing wall. Um, it's looking like Trump is going to hold out as long as it takes. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at. We're at a stalemate now, and the question is, will the Democrats cave on this? Uh, Judge Jeanine Pierre had some interesting comments about this as well. Mr. President, I understand the pressure that you are under from every side. But the wall at our southern border is a promise that you made, ran on, got elected on, and must keep. But more than that, it is your legacy, and you cannot allow them to force you to compromise. Now, there's never been a president more dedicated to fulfilling a campaign promise than you. Unlike just about every other president in recent memory, you say what you mean and you mean what you say. 
That is why your base is so loyal to you and continues to grow. You have done what no other president has had the fortitude to do. The wall is no different. And you must fulfill this fundamental promise to the American people. You cannot buckle. I am pleading with you on behalf of the American people who believe with every fiber of their being that if anyone can get it done, you are the one who can and will. This is your moment in history. Just do it. Hmm, I've never heard that expression before. <laughs> uh, predictions, where's this going to go? What do you think? Um, you know what? I think that the Democrats are making a grave mistake by trying Why? to negotiate with the master negotiator. Okay. I mean, you've got like bird brains like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer that think they're going to pull one over on Trump. No, he's going to get it done. Is this gonna, You think he's going to get it done? Yeah, I do. Okay. Right. I, because we have no reason to think that he won't. Right. He's delivered on all of his other promises. Right. No, I agree. All right. Well, we'll see where that goes. Our next topic coming up, NBC and other far left outlets slam the president for being the first since 2002 not to visit our troops around Christmas time. But he visited the troops, <laughs> the troops on Christmas Day. Uh, so they actually put this was a post from uh, I believe it was NBC. President Trump becomes first president since 2002 not to visit troops at Christmas time. But the next day they posted on Wednesday, a day after this article was published, President Trump made a surprise visit to Iraq to greet U.S. troops. It was his first presidential visit to a combat zone. <laughs> and boy, were those troops happy to see him. Did you see the video? I did. Yeah. I did see some pictures of that and videos, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised that NBC retracted this. I figured they'd just throw out fake news and <laughs> right. they just let it stick. <laughs> right. And at, at this point, they've lost so much credibility. Why do they even like, know. you know, repost things that they put out there incorrectly? I know. And you know what? The thing is, hmm. too, like the only reason Obama ever visited the troops on Christmas was because he went to that base in Hawaii where he was already vacationing oh. for like 21 oh, days. So he didn't go over to the Middle East and visit anybody. No, no, no. He just stopped, oh, stopped by the military base in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, you can't really announce you're going over to like the Middle East. I mean, let's face it. You know, no, I, I mean, think so he, like, he didn't secretly. tweet for like 17 hours and people were like the media was freaking out like, oh, my gosh, where's Trump? Where's right. Trump? It's like. Boom, I'm in Iraq. <laughs> All right. You know, this is my favorite show to substitute for Ed, fill in for Ed. And you know why? Because we get to talk about the top 10 biggest morons <laughs> of 2018. Um, so I, and by the way, I put a lot of time and thought into this. And, uh, and, and it's funny because I, compi I compiled my list of what I thought were the top 10 biggest morons. And then sure enough, somebody would come along <laughs> and they'd bump somebody out because they were an even bigger moron than the original 10. So I, I went through and, and, you know, compiled what I think are the top best. Um, so I'm ready to, to jump into that if you're ready. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, first top 10 morons. This is moron number 10. This is actually a couple. This is, uh, this is Lisa Page and Peter Strork. Strork. <laughs> Have you pronounced that name? Uh, Page resigned from the FBI. Stork was fired. Uh, they uh, were well known for their texts going back and forth. And I've just got a little sampling of their text. This is Lisa Page. Trump's not ever going to be president, right? Peter Stork replies, Stork, Stork, whatever his name is. <laughs> no, he's not. We'll stop it. Peter Stork's like, oh, my God, this is effing terrifying. This is when it looked like he might actually win. Hillary should be winning 100 million to zero. <laughs> Right. So here's here's a clip of uh, Peter Stork being interviewed uh, by Trey Gowdy. 
By the time you promised to stop him from becoming president on August the 8th, how many interviews had you conducted? Mr. Gowdy, so two answers to that. One, with regard to how many interviews had or had not been conducted, I have been directed by counsel for the FBI not to answer that question. Second, sir, I think it's important to take those texts in the context of how they were written and what they meant. And, there, and someone may ask you that question, Agent Strunk, but I didn't. I asked you how many people you interviewed before you wrote it. If you want to get into context, let one of my other colleagues do that with you. Here's what I want to know. Who's the he and he's not? He is then candidate Trump. So when you said, no, Donald Trump's not in in connection with a question going to become president. What's the it? Chairman, stop it. Chairman Gowdy, that text needs to be taken in the context. I'm I'm asking, look, if you want to have a debate over a two letter word, we're going to have to do that some other time. What and who did you mean by it? Mr. Gowdy, as I've stated, that text was written late at night in shorthand. I don't care when it was written. I don't care whether it was longhand, cursive. I don't care about any of that. I want to know what it meant, Agent Strzok. It would be his candidacy for the presidency and my sense that the American population. We're about out of time for part one of the main event. We will come back. Part two, you got to stay with us. And I will summarize again the top 10 biggest morons of 2018. We'll be right back after news, traffic and weather. Stay tuned. And welcome back to part two of the main event. I am Scott McAfee. I'm with Don's Bicycle Store in Rialta and Redlands. Filling in for Ed Hoffman. Ed is on vacation. He'll be back next week. With me in studio is my co-host, Jody Swan, a.k.a. That Conservative Girl. Welcome back, Jody. Thank you so much. Cool. So where we left off was we were, talk- we were taking you through the top ten biggest morons of 2018. Uh, there's one more clip. We, our first moron, moron number 10 was actually the, the couple, Lisa Page and Peter Stork, FBI agents, <laughs> both now former FBI agents. Um, and we had left off with Stork's testimony with Trey Gowdy. There's one more clip I wanted to play from that testimony. If you can roll that, please. Do you remember how long it took for you to start talking about impeachment after Bob Mueller was appointed? I don't, sir. One day. One day. And you are talking about impeachment. And for anyone who may have missed it the day after his appointment, Agent Strzok, you did it again five days later. Now, how many interviews had you done as part of the special counsel team within the first five days of his appointment? Sir, again, same answer as before. I can't get into details. Right. And the answer is also the same. It's zero. No interviews had been done. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, No interviews had been done. By August the 8th, when you're talking about stopping him and how terrifying it would be for him to win and how you can protect the country and no interviews have been done before you're talking about impeachment of the president. But no wonder Bob Mueller kicked you off of the investigation. (laughs) You know, 
I have a problem with FBI agents. Last time I checked, they were government employees, right? We are paying them to be in this position. And I have a problem with FBI agents basically colluding to undo or actually prevent or undo or modify in any way, shape or form a presidential election. Well, and the irony is that the Democrats are still screaming about Russia. Oh, really? I forgot about Russia. A handful of like, you know, guys in Russia or Bulgaria or some, you know, basement like you know, making a fake Facebook account. And they're saying that those guys like, you know, manipulated our election. And then here's actual FBI agents who could really do some serious damage. Yes, they can. These are, and these aren't low level. This isn't the janitors. These are not the janitors. These are high ranking FBI officials who have a lot of power and influence. Mm -hmm. And apparently uh, something that came out recently, a lot of these texts that came to light, which kind of exposed this whole thing. A lot of them have gone missing. Like the first week, apparently, that he was on the put on the Mueller investigation. Yeah, there's no bias here that he was put on the (laughs) Mueller investigation. The text, his text, like for that week of of mysteriously disappeared. Coincidentally, isn't it a quinky dink? Lisa Page's text also disappeared for that same time period. Yeah, well, maybe they're with Hillary's emails. Well, maybe. And I don't like this conspiracy theory crapola, but this is like there's something seriously wrong here. I mean, that was deleberate. Obviously they Mm -hmm. didn't just like disappear. They weren't accidentally deleted. This is, Mm -hmm. this is government property. Yeah. How do those things just go missing? And and I don't want to diss on people's physical appearance, but Lisa page, you see those pictures. She has (laughs) a serious gum problem when she smiles. You notice how some people, when they smile, they show way too much of their gums. Yeah. You know, like somebody needs to, she's struck isn't exactly like, no, no, I can't picture them actually, you know, you know, anyways, he's a creep. I don't want to go there. More on number nine. That is a comedian, if you want to call her that, Samantha B, who's host of the show called Full Frontal, after calling the president's daughter the C-word. Can I have that clip, please? You know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child, but let me just say, one mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless <laughs> He listens to you. Put on something tight and low cut and tell your father to Stop it. Tell him it was an Obama thing and see how it goes, okay? You know, there's very few words in the English language that are worse than the F word. I mean, really. And I think the C word, you can tell me what you think. I think the C word is worse than the F word. That's a word I don't think I've ever used in my life. I don't think I have. No. If I've ever used it, it was mainly to paraphrase somebody else using that. But I, that, that word is just so, it connotates such mm-hmm. horrible, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy that it's being used on, on television. But then against the first daughter of the United States and someone as classy and as elegant at who never speaks ill of anyone like Ivanka Trump. Well, yeah, no, I agree. And and the thing is, I mean, you imagine the double standard. What if I said something like this about, let's say, one of Obama's daughters? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd be kicked off the air and, and really rightly mm-hmm. so that it's just disgusting. Yeah. And yet they get away with it. They're applauded. She's still got her show. Yeah. She still has her show. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it just goes to show you um, that, and, and this, and it's funny too, because she's one more example of all these late night comedians that have been getting less and less funny all the time. They're, it's almost like they're trying to one up each other in terms of how low can we go, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. More on number eight. That's Nancy Pelosi, uh, obviously uh, one of the most annoying human beings I think on the planet. <laughs> um, so here's a little clip from Nancy's, the best of Nancy. Farmers are struggling with plummeting prices great economic uncertainty and self-inflicted damage of the Trump tariffs. I say self, self for our country. Uh, But Republicans wrote a bill that abandons farmers, uh, uh, farming families. It weakens weakens the farmers' safety net. 1.5 million veterans. 
are involved in the nutrition <laughs> program. Uh, but this is ideological about, I don't know, taking food out of the mouths of babies. That maybe is a priority for them. At President Trump's month, month, months-delayed speech on prescription drugs, when we won in 06, one of our 606, we're fighting to expand the, uh, the possibility. Pennsylvania, uh, Tuesday was a great <laughs> night for us. We, well, I don't know. Are you confident in the White House? Next. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. I think I think I'm getting brain damage just listening to that. I don't know That's what awful. any of that was at no, all. I need an she, interpreter. No, and does anybody realize she's getting worse? Does anyone? I mean, this is like Alzheimer's on full display here, and yet she's <laughs> she's one of the most powerful people in the country. And to think she's going to be the Speaker of the House next oh, year. Oh, jeez. You know what? That's why Trump wants her to be Speaker so bad because because she makes the Democrats look really bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, she's just how how are they going to get anything done with her as the leader? I almost feel sorry for her. I know. She's, you know she needs to leave she's got to get out i think so but there's there's a part of me though that you kind of want her there because she's sort of like our darth so vader so funny if you're on the right you know and i don't know how any of the press pool gets through those those conferences i don't know without just cracking yeah they probably out. just i can't i can't even listen no. i'm not even looking at her <laughs> the crowd cracking up more on number seven that's comedian another comedian Michelle Wolf, who spoke at the White House Press Correspondence Dinner. And this this routine, by the way, arguably, in my opinion, was the worst stand-up routine I've ever heard. Now, that's by a professional. I've heard amateurs <laughs> that are worse, but they're supposed to be bad in many cases. But she's a professional. She gets paid to do this. Let's hear a little bit from Michelle Wolf. People call Trump names all the time. And look, I could call Trump a racist or a misogynist or xenophobic or unstable or incompetent or impotent. But he's heard all of those and he doesn't care. So tonight, I'm going to try to make fun of the president in a new way, in a way that I think will really get him. Mr. President, I don't think you're very rich. Like, I think you might be rich in Idaho, but in New York, you're doing fine. Trump is the only person that still watches who wants to be a millionaire and thinks me. Although I'm not sure you'd get very far. He'd get to like the third question and be like, I have to phone a fox and friend. (laughs) We're gonna try a fun new thing, okay? I'm gonna say Trump is so broke and you guys go, how broke is he? All right? Trump is so broke. How broke is he? He has to fly failed business class. (laughs) Trump is so broke. Foreign oil in Don Jr.'s hair. Trump is so broke. He, he Southwest used him as Get one it of out, their engines. <laughs> I know it's so soon. It's so soon for that joke. Why did she tell it? It's so soon. Trump is so broke. Uh, he had to borrow money from the Russians and now he's compromised and not susceptible to blackmail and possibly responsible for the collapse of the Republic. Yay! It's a fun game. 
All you people should be lucky to play more of her. That's, that's like painful for me to listen <laughs> it's to. It's like listening to Nails on a Chalkboard, her it's voice. Awful. But you know what's really sad is what? when somebody like that who's supposed to be a comedian, yeah. like we listen to that whole thing and we don't laugh once, but listening to Nancy Pelosi just be herself is so funny. They should have had her out there instead. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> more on number six, former FBI director James Comey. Three members of the FBI, former members of the FBI made my top 10 cut. Let's take it away, James. This is his interview with uh, Brett Baer. I asked a friend of mine to share the content of the memo with a reporter. Didn't do it myself for a variety of reasons, but I asked him to because I thought that might prompt the appointment of a special counsel. And so I asked a close friend of mine to do it. Who was that? A good friend of mine who's a professor at Columbia Law School. So what specifically did you leak to Mr. Richmond? I sent Mr. Richmond a copy of a two-page unclassified memo and asked him to get the substance of it out to the media. Did you leak other things through Mr. Richmond? Yeah. <laughs> I'm smiling, Brad. I don't consider what I did with Mr. Richmond a leak. I told him about an unclassified conversation with the president. Okay, but I the gave, FBI let me answer your question. Let me you went, your question. You, you I went gave through him, this with Anderson last I gave time. him nothing else ever okay. to share with the media. FBI protocol says your own employment agreement with the FBI prohibits, quote, the unauthorized disclosure of any information or material from or related to FBI files or any information acquired by virtue of my official employment without prior written permission from the FBI. Did you have written permission? No, and I didn't consider it part of an FBI file, all the things that I talked about you with wrote Anderson. wrote it as an FBI director. It was a work product. No, it was not. It was my personal You're aid to memoir. You talking to the president? Sure. I created two copies of it, one to keep in my personal safe at home, and I left my another one at the FBI so the Bureau could always have <laughs> access to it, but I notes. always thought of it as mine, like a diary. Who else did you give, leak, or whatever you want to call it, the give memos what to? I prefer. Yeah, yeah, the memos to. I gave the memos to my legal team after uh, I gave them to Dan Richmond, after I asked him to get it out to the media. And gave they, three, sorry, gave four memos to my legal team. Which included Patrick Fitzgerald. Patrick Fitzgerald. He David, was a legal team at that time. Correct, sure. And Dan, David, uh, Kelly, David Kelly and Dan Richmond. Okay. Uh, you said in the memos, I, I said, I don't do sneaky things. I don't leak. I don't do weasel moves. But, I mean, we can argue what a leak is, but that's a leak, gonna, isn't it? It's not. <laughs> Yeah, this guy leaks so much, he should be a spokesperson for Depends. That's my opinion. He's just kind of weird, too. I don't like people in this much power that seem odd. You're taking notes of your conversations with the president, and you take those notes home, you put them in your little safe, mm -hmm. and you like give them to your friends. Well, I wouldn't leak it, but maybe you might. Right. You know what I'm saying? His personal aide de memoir. Whatever. And he's writing books. <laughs> this is the guy you want. He's like taking notes so he can go write his books, which nobody bought, I think. And he can make, make a book tour out of it. Ugh. Slimy. Yeah, very slimy and weird. Just weird. Mm -hmm. More on number five. This goes to another couple. This is Michael Avenatti. <laughs> is it Avenatti? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Correct me, please. <laughs> or Stormy Daniels. I know how to pronounce that one. <laughs> she extorted Trump for like a, over $100,000 as hushman. That is extortion, isn't it? I think. I, it, it, 130, right? Right. Uh, Avenatti, then, th th you couldn't make this stuff up. Then he gets busted for like spousal abuse, right? <laughs> we got a little clip from Michael Avenatti. Avenatti insists it's not true, released from jail and fighting, he says, to clear his name. I have never struck a woman. I never will strike a woman. Like a song. I have been an advocate never for women's strong. rights my entire career. I am confident that I will be fully exonerated. And of course, there's been speculation about a possible 2020 run for Avenatti. He is now telling USA Today via text message that he is still considering possibly running for president. He says he will not be intimidated. He's due in court on December 5th. Craig. 
What do you think? Presidential? <laughs> yeah, the shortest presidential run ever. Well, yeah, Sorry, that's a over. pretty shallow pool of people, though. If this is what people thought was actually like a front runner or somebody right. that was even a candidate. Right. I mean, what's there that you would vote for for president? Good Lord. Trump's looking real good. He is. 2020. Yeah. This is the kind of people that are going to stick up there. Yeah. And I think like an Avenatti Stormy Daniels ticket would be would be cool. <laughs> oh, Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> she... She's too much. Didn't well. Didn't yeah. she get arrested too? Because she, she was at a strip club and she was, you know, somebody throw a beer bottle at her at a strip club. Doing but something to a things cop can't be good something. when you're still stripping it. I don't know how old she is. Uh, yeah, no. But that can't be good. She's in her forties, right? I don't know. She's, she's yeah. She's got like, like, she's like a daughter aging. who's like nine or eleven or something right. like that. Well, the funny thing is, though, she extorted Trump for like over a hundred thousand dollars, but then she lost a lawsuit against him and was <laughs> and was supposed to pay. She's supposed to be like three hundred thousand now. Yeah, Trump a and lot. his attorney. Uh huh. So that was kind of a net loss. Merry Christmas. It just goes to show anybody listening: if you're going to extort somebody, <laughs> don't like double cross after you got the check. Yeah, That's the message from all of us. Take the money and run, girl. Right. Come exactly. On. More on number four. That goes to former President Bill Clinton uh, and his comments on Monica Lewinsky. Clinton was hawking a new book, too, by the way. I don't even remember the name of the book. Do you know the name of the book? Him or her? Well, uh, Bill Clinton was hawking a new book. Bill, Bill wrote one? I don't Bill wrote a, Yeah, nobody Hillary's. read that one either. No. <laughs> no, nobody read Hillary's book either. But yeah. I'm sure Bill... It was like it was a uh, it was a novel that he co-wrote with somebody else. Oh, yeah. With not Tom Clancy, but um, what's his face? Something about like yeah, the no. president's... Yeah, Something. now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. he's like buddies with the author. And you know, they it's getting to write a little a slimmer. Together. Bill's got to write novels. <laughs> uh, but Bill really blew it during this interview where he talked about Monica Lewinsky. If we can have the first clip, please. Do you think differently or feel more responsibility? No, I felt terrible then. And I came to grips with it. Did and you ever apologize no, and to no, Yes, and nobody believes that I got out of that for free. I left the White House $16 million in debt. Why? Why do you leave $60 million in debt? Yeah, why is he trying to but blame that on Monica? Wait, he's still you talking. <laughs> typically have ignored gaping facts in describing this, and I bet you don't even know them. This was litigated 20 years ago. Two-thirds of the American people sided with me. They were not insensitive to that. I had a sexual harassment policy when I was governor in the 80s. I had two women chiefs of staff when I was governor. Two women chiefs of staff, wink, wink. Yeah, he sounded more and more like Pelosi. He, he does. Just, he he's kind of like all over the place. He sounds like he sounded a little defensive, didn't he? He sounds like a walking STD. <laughs> incoherent. He's right. All over the place. He's not slick Willie anymore. Sounds like something. Something's wrong in the head. No, he's getting a little. You know. Missing a few cards <laughs> in the deck. A few screws loose, yeah. Uh, but he really lost it in this next clip during that interview. You didn't apologize to her. I have not talked to her. Do you I, feel I like thought you owe it, her an apology? No, I do. I, I, I do not. I have never talked to her. <laughs> but I did say publicly on more than one occasion that I was sorry. I did not talk to that. That's woman. very different. Yeah, that this this really went south. And I think this is one more nail in the coffin for the Clintons. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even people on the left aren't defending this guy anymore. He sounds really bad. Like, he, he looks really bad every time you see him. Did you see him at the funeral, at Bush's funeral? Uh, and his mouth was, like, open, like he was catching flies the whole time. He looks really bad. He sounds really bad. He looks kind of like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. He's like a walking STD. Yeah, okay. And he's, he does, you're right. He does have that mouth open all the time. Uh, uh, and there's yeah. like drool coming yeah, out of the side of his mouth. Yeah. Usually that's when he sees Melania. It's when I'm the drool a- starts rolling. <laughs> wow. Look How did George W. Bush get labeled as the stupid one? 
when Bill Clinton is always like, well, Bill was sharp before though. I mean, if you saw him in his heyday, I mean, he's like got away with murder and, you know, was very slick politician, but it seems like those days are gone. Definitely gone. Yeah. All right. Well, adios, Bill Clinton and and the Clintons in general. (laughs) This next moron, this is down to moron number two. And this person I was, I was advised, you know, don't make fun of this person because the more you make fun of this person, like a lot of people are doing right now, the more powerful you're making her. And of course this is, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Did I say that right? <laughs> Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio. You keep correcting me every time I pronounce it. You it, say something different. Okay. Don't worry. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, <laughs> uh, the newly elected uh, congressperson from New York. New York of all... What the hell are you thinking, New York? Idiots. Right. I mean, how do you elect this person? And again, I'm, there's, I'm, I'm sort of torn because on the one hand, I don't want to make fun of this person. But on the other, because I don't want to give her any more power. She's actually a very powerful person now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, if she can ever get to work. Well, yeah, because the first her first thing she did was to take a vacation <laughs> take <some> time off. <laughs> she took like a week off. Self-care. And I were talking about this last week. That was her first order of business was to take a week off and give herself some self-care time. Yeah. Right. To do some yoga. She stopped doing yoga, stopped eating healthy. Okay. She needs to take care of herself, she says. Right. She needs right. to take a shower. Okay. Well, how long does that take? Does it take a week? I guess so. Okay. All right. It's 2018. Get with the times. All right. I'm sorry. I'm just old. (laughs) Let's hear the first clip from uh, the newly appointed congressperson. How at a time when the CBO says our debts and deficits are exploding and are going to cripple us, mm-hmm. how do you pay for things like that? It's, a, it's, it's an excellent question. First of all, I think we need to kind of look at, at the damaging history, legislative history of what we've done with our taxes. Not only had, did we have a $400 billion GOP tax cut that could have actually forgiven every single federal student loan in America. We spent that money in December and we spent it on tax cuts for the corporations and the very rich, but it means reviewing the Bush tax cuts. It means uh, making sure that also that we understand the power of the purse that Congress has, that, uh, you know, when when the United States was in the Great Depression, that is when we pursued the New Deal. It was when people precisely said we have the least amount of ability to do this, that we actually committed to an economically ambitious agenda that transformed the future in the course of this nation. And I think that it is absolutely possible. But what it takes is the political courage to do it, to raise taxes, to roll back the tax and not only and not only that, but also understand that um, that the federal government does have the ability uh, in the similar way that, that we had in the New Deal to to spearhead some of the, this agenda and some of that financing as well. Can, can you make sense of that? OK, this girl Please. is so broke that she can't even relocate to D.C. until she starts work. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah. She doesn't have any money. OK. Yeah. So she can't get a place in D.C. yet. And we're taking financial advice from her. Well, that's true. She, but she, she can't was, even afford to pay any taxes. She can't she, afford to get her own place. She was a bartender for a while, though. Yeah. Well, apparently the bartending money has run out and she can't afford to move to D.C. until she starts getting paid. Wow. Did you okay. hear about that? No, I didn't know this. Yeah. Okay. But we're taking financial advice from she her. She sounds like a real history expert based on that clip, though. <laughs> she knows her history. <laughs> I don't know what she where she was going with that whole thing. I didn't expect that. It's kind of like it seemed like just rambling a lot about mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, but but, you know, she may not know that much about economic policy, but she's an expert on foreign policy. As this next <laughs> clip will indicate, she has a vast knowledge of the situation in Israel right now. I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Um, 
I think <laughs> what I meant is like the the settlements, places where um, where Palestinians are experiencing. Uh, Difficulty. Do you think you can expand on that? I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue. Clearly. Yeah, that's pretty scary. It's pretty scary that we're putting somebody this dumb in a very important position of well, power. Not only is she not an expert on geopolitics, but she's not really an expert on any politics. I mean, did you hear when she called, um, she said like the chambers of government? Like she doesn't even know we have three branches of government. What'd she call them? The, what the, she, she said they were the chambers of government. Chambers that is how government. she referred to them. I also heard she thought she was going to be inaugurated in January. She thought she was going to be inaugurated. I mean, she is. Well, funny. I, I mean, fifth graders know these things. It's funny. I was looking for clips to goof on her and there's like, you, I couldn't even pick. There were so many to yeah. choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, this is kind of sad, but there's a lot of stupid people in Washington. I mean, this is just kind of the latest and greatest, but you know, she's sure. running, she's running on a platform of getting rid of ice. She's running on a platform, <laughs> but like she's an outward socialist. I don't know if she even understands what that means. Uh, take a little, they should send her to Venezuela mm-hmm. uh, for her first, uh, first mission as part of being part of Congress, send <laughs> yeah. her down there to do an exploratory uh, commission or something <laughs> and just see where that all leads. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that brings us to the number one biggest moron of 2018. I know you're all been waiting. So can I have a drum roll, please? That's right. The number one biggest moron of 2018. Let me open up the envelope here. This thing's really stuck. Is Elizabeth Warren. That's right. Elizabeth Warren. Um, So uh, Elizabeth Warren is... uh, well, what can you say? What can you say? Where do you want to even start with this one? <laughs> she, you know, Pocahontas, as she's known uh, by many in the United States, decided to get a genetic test done. And the results came back uh, like she's one out of one one thousands Native American Indian. We have, I pulled a little clip from her video that she made about this. We did find five segments of Native American ancestry with very high confidence. I like the music. Where we believe the error rate is less than one in a thousand. One in a thousand. Now, <laughs> the president likes to call my mom a liar. What do the facts say? suggest that you absolutely have a native american ancestor in your pedigree yeah one out of one thousand i can get that kind of result by eating a turkey sandwich on squaw bread jody (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah one out of one thousand you know the results are in and here's the results she may and i've said this before she may be a massachusetts hoe but she's not a navajo (laughs) okay and before we go this is a final tribute from ed to his wife after 22 years of marriage take it away and we're in love After 22 years years of marriage, we're still unbelievably in love. You won't even let me touch you till I've said it. I sing to you. Not all the time, but but definitely on special occasions. You know, we've we've dealt with our share of surprises and, and, and made a lot of sacrifices, but we stayed together. You see, you're a better person than I am. And it made me a better person to be around you. We're about out of time for this edition of the main event. Ed will be back next week. Thank you all for listening and have a a very, very happy New Year's. The views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747, NMLS 9873, and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, ME Number 0937346. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.